Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. All right. Well, welcome, welcome back, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life. I'm Joseph McClendon III, and as always, I promise to bring you the best of the best of the best to help you go further, faster in your life. And today is absolutely no, ex- yeah, no exception. And so, you know, you hear the words renaissance man tossed around a lot and it implies that the person is educated and cultured and well-versed and proficient in uh, many different fields and the um, the unbelievable man that i'm going to introduce you to here today reef corinne is let's just say he is the epitome of that phrase matter of fact i believe if you look up in the dictionary or in a thesaurus somewhere you're going to see a and you look up renaissance man you're going to see a uh a caricature of him or a picture of him. He really is. And rarely, it's it's rare to find a scientist and a performing artist sharing the same stage, let alone the same mind. And Reef, he's an academic by day and creative by night who specializes in connecting our cognitive and our creative mind to teach entrepreneurs and professionals and creative leaders the art of divergent thinking, creative disruption, and how to activate our energy of originality for high performance in business and in life. He created the theory of madness and the madness incubator, a mad genius incubator, excuse me. And he served as an assistant clinical professor at UCLA, my old alma mater, uh, the Institute for Neuroscience for over a decade. He's acted in, in lead supporting roles and supporting roles in feature films and television shows. He performs improv, sketch comedy, does stand up comedy, clubs and has danced for headlining artists all over the world. He's been profiled in Time Magazine, Forbes, Business Insider. He's been interviewed by Oprah, Larry King, Deepak Chopra, Anderson Cooper, and many, many others. He's also awarded and recognized for his groundbreaking work in innovation in medicine and in entertainment. This is Dr. Reef Karin. So for starters, dude, do something with your life, man. Come on, get it together. <laughs> I know I'm slacking. I'm such a slacker. I know, man. Well, listen, maybe you can get something out of this show to help you going on. Yeah, Reef, thank you, you so much. I should say, Dr. Reef, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Well, thanks you. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to your audience and and to uh, to spread the message because I, I think you and I really have that in common. We just want to help people and spread messages that that will make people's lives better. Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the theme of this show is, you know, I is cure for the common life, not that there's anything bad for the common life, but you certainly have 
and are leading an uncommon life. What is it that makes you, what drives you? I want to start there. What drives you or pulls you to do so many things in your your young life this thus far? You know, I, I, I blame my parents for that. And, and we're not supposed to blame our parents for anything. So I know, I know that, but so I'm Indian. And on the day I was born, my dad made an announcement in the labor and delivery ward. He's like, everyone gather around, gather around. I decided he will be, wait for it, wait for it, a doctor. And, and then there was this big moment, huge applause, just craziness, you know, and my life was picked out for me. Uh, literally, my dad would creep up to my crib late at night and he'd be like, doctor. <laughs> That's amazing. Every birthday, I didn't get Legos. I got a medical gift. Wow. Every Halloween, they dressed me up as a different type of doctor. You're four now, so now you get to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. You know, like it was insane. It was now, the, the- Were your parents uh, professionals? Were they uh, physicians? Yes, my dad is a PhD in bioavailability and pharmacokinetics, which basically is a big term for when you ingest a pill, how does it know where to go in the body right. to help heal you? And, and it's a very complicated science as far as, you know, how it knows where to go and what to do and the absorption and, you know, the kinetics of, of the drug. Uh, and my mom's a nurse. And they're immigrants, total immigrants coming to this country. They know nothing except medicine. Right. So to them, medicine was going to heal their eldest son. And there was nothing else he could do except go into medicine. The problem is I was a creative kid. I've always been, you know, I think we're all creative, but I was tied into that creativity. And, you know, some people will say it, it's the fact that I'm a left-handed Pisces. I, I don't know, but, but something to do with that really tied me into that. So, you know, I used to watch SNL and, and yeah, yeah. yeah and, and big fan. And, and I would watch, you know, all these sketches. And so I would make sketches in my living room and my mom would be folding laundry, looking at me doing all these crazy characters. And she would be like, you know, you're not funny. <laughs> nothing funny about you. The only thing that would be funny is if you didn't go to medical school, that would be hilarious. Hardy, har, har, <laughs> you know? And, and so it was just constant, constant pressure to be a doctor. And so eventually I just, you know, it got, it got so bad. My parents had an intervention on me and really? they hired a real drug interventionist because they assumed I was on drugs because I didn't want to go to medical school. <laughs> so it got crazy. And so eventually I was like, you know what? I'll, in a way, martyr myself. I'll live my life for my parents because it's so important to them that I have stability for their life right. that I'll just do it. Fine. I'll give up on whatever I was thinking about doing, um, which is really just to express myself. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to express myself coming from an immigrant family where it's scary to be here, you know, having brown skin in, in this, you know, in this country. It's like, it's like, having a foreign name, it, it, there's, there's some security safety issues, but I was like, I don't care about that. I want to express my voice. And instead of hearing my parents constantly saying, stay in your lane, don't show, don't show off, don't air your dirty laundry. Don't talk about anything. Just keep your head down and work. And you need to be disciplined is that that's what you need to do. I couldn't do it. So I was in this constant conflict over being the person society and my parents and everybody else wanted me to be 
versus following my inner wisdom and my inner voice. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Well, so so you you went down the path, like you said, an artist, but you also well accomplished a physician. And so what led you away from all of that into the personal development side of it? Because I know that's, you know, as you said, that's what we share in common. But now that is uh, maybe your biggest passion now, but what led you away from that? So creativity was my outlet. Yeah, you know, as, as as you know, you know, with your background, when you're dealing, especially in the trenches of mental health, mm -hmm. and I was in mental health and addiction on the academic side, I, you know, I served as an assistant professor for a long time at UCLA and published in a bunch of journals. And then I, I founded and operated my own mental health treatment center because I felt like, you know, I, I, I started to see the most effective way to treat mental health and addiction. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to start my own center. And it's 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 super rewarding to see people transform. It's yes. it's amazing, but it's also really really hard work. And there's a lot of darkness there. Yeah. And as I'm sure you know, when you're dealing with somebody who's in a lot of pain and a lot of darkness, you have to help them through that pain. And part of that process is like a canvas. They're throwing their pain and their anguish and their despair on you as you're connecting with them because they can't hold all of that themselves. So you're ingesting and taking in a lot of that pain. And eventually it's it's so much that it's it's really difficult. And I was working with people one-on-one -on -one and I was doing quite a bit of work with them. And I was realizing there are certain components of traditional mental health treatment that, that resonate so well with personal development. Mm -hmm. And these people would relapse and they would relapse in their addictions and they would, anxiety would resurface and depression would resurface and mood problems and anger problems would resurface. And there were certain things I did with them at the last month of their treatment in the treatment program that I was like, oh my God, this is the, I mean, you definitely need stabilization. You definitely need medications. You definitely need therapy. But the end part connected mental health and personal development. And there were four, four words that I talk about when connecting, you know, the world we're in where we're dealing with getting out of our own way and our escapism and all that with our personal development and our, our human potential. Those words are hope, creativity, originality, and energy. And those were the four things that I really worked with people on in the latter portion of our treatment center that made me realize I want to go all in on this because mm -hmm. these are the things that people are missing because now we're in a world because of, you know, not just the pandemic. This was before the pandemic. The digital media, digital technology world that we're in is causing a lot of people to feel overstimulated and, and have this sense of mental clutter. And so people that didn't have mental health issues per se are now dealing with some kind of mental health impairment. Just the average person, just because of the way the world is right now. And so I thought it was so important that, you know, that I moved to personal development. Yeah. And those that have it and, and aware of it or not, it's compounded by, like you said, digital overstimulation and just society itself is, 
is uh, constantly putting, you know, you, you and I share that in common. I did one-on-one -on -one in, I had a, a practice in Los Angeles for many years. And as you know, you live in LA now. LA, in, in my opinion, is freak city. <laughs> you know, especially back in the, in the 90s, you know, in the olden days. And I would do that. I would be, and I would, I would say, which I think it was what you're alluding to as well, when you're saying they're, they're giving you all of their energy, just the type of person that I am, and I can see that you are as well, just the compassion that you have for that person, you care about that person, you, you actually connect with them. And when you connect with anybody, you're feeling their energy coming across. And that for me was the same thing as well. I loved the work that I was getting, I, uh, that I was doing. I loved that I was helping people. And to your point about your last uh, few sessions that you work with them, I'm all about that now. And that is, what do you do when I'm not around? Give them something to do um, when I'm not there so that they continue to grow geometrically. And I had to come away from that. I did for many years um, do one-on-one -on -one coaching and mentoring. I did that, but um, it was almost like, I, I sort of felt like, well, gosh, you know, if I stop doing this, then I'm robbing all of those that I've not worked with. And, you know, there was all that conflict and everything. But I realized that if I if I wasn't, uh, you know, all together, I, I, then I wasn't going to be serving them as much. Your brand is madness. I love that. You know, share with us a little bit about that, because I know that is is part of your your message going forward as well. Well, I was like 22 or 23 and I did a medical exchange program where uh, I went to central Turkey to, to deliver babies and, you know, do, do, do like really cool things that you're not allowed to do traditionally as a medical student. And um, I was just starting medical school and I ended up going to, you know, this, this city and I, we were trained and then we had to go into villages and, and we, and we went and moved towards central Turkey where, you know, you're getting closer to the middle East um, the, the deeper part of the middle East at, at that point. And we were on a bus and I was the last person on the bus and it was going more and more and more central. And I was on my own. I get out in this village and I was supposed to get supplies and meet some doctor. He was sick. So they brought on some kid. The kid is supposed to give me a, a tour to the next village. We end up getting stopped and held out at gunpoint by mm -hmm. Turkish military. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And I don't speak Turkish. I don't know anything that's going on. And this kid turned out to be some rebel something, something. I don't even know. They took him away and they let left a, a Sufi mystic leader who was in the Jeep of the Turkish military getting a ride. They let him out. I'm literally shaking because I just had an AK-47 pointed at me. I can't even speak. I'm terrified. I'm like alone. I'm 22, 23. I don't know how to get to the village ahead of us. I don't know how to get back to the village we came from. We'd been walking for a couple hours. Uh, I was terrified. And uh, th this mystic leader is wearing like a sheet, almost like a toga. <laughs> and he's sitting on a rock. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And, 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 he suddenly, I, I figured he didn't speak English. And then suddenly in a British accent, he's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, this guy speaks, he speaks English. So, so I, I made way, my way over to him and he was this mystic leader. He was like this philosopher in the Middle East. And, and I was just, I, I was not of the right mind at that point in time to take all this in. But he said all sorts of stuff to me, like for about 20 minutes, it was just pearl of wisdom after pearl of wisdom. 
And I only remember a, a, a few lines. And, and one of those lines was, um, if you don't clean the well of your soul, you'll drown in its contamination. Wow. Wow. And I was like, I just remember that. But then the last thing he said is, uh, your fate will ultimately be determined by the energy of your two minds, which are actually one. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Exactly. And just get me back to the village, man. I just need, <laughs> I, I need to get out of here. Stop it. You know? And, uh, I kept thinking about those two lines and especially the latter one. Like, what does he mean that the energy of two minds, what, what, and they're actually, what, what is he talking about? And so every once in a while in my life, I, I would, these lines would resurface in my head. So I'm now in my, I'm an attending at UCLA. I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. I'm running this center. And I think about that line again. And I'm like, Oh my God, I think I have it. These, this energy that the energy of two minds is a, a a spectrum of the same energy and that same energy can come out as chaos as stress as overwhelm or that same energy can come out as creativity originality ingenuity it's the same energy so when we're consumed by our stress and our overwhelm and the problems we're dealing with in the world, and we see the world through the lens in that spectrum, we are exhausting our energy that could be used on envisioning a better life, on envisioning a better future, on tapping into our creative mind to generate new ideas, to find creative problem solving, to get ourselves out of problems that we've been struggling with for a long time, to tap into that energy of originality and inner wisdom that we have to guide us on finding and discovering our purpose and what we should be doing with our life instead of just kind of stagnating. It's the same energy. And if we don't protect our mind from the threats coming at us that exhaust us of all the, anytime we see an ad, anytime we, we're looking at corporate influence uh, of getting us to think a certain way, anytime we're being overwhelmed on social media by comparison and FOMO and blah, 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 we're processing, we're using our energy of processing that could go into building a more creative and original life. So I came up with this concept called the theory of madness. And I see that energy that could go either way, that could go chaotic or that could go creative as our madness. So my entire brand is about madness because madness is a word of duality. It's a word that def that's defined as overwhelm and chaos and bad and and too much and and all of this but it's also defined as your originality your creativity your ingenuity and the ultimate form of creativity ingenuity originality energy and clarity is the mad genius and so i built a whole program around thinking like a mad genius this is fascinating and you know as you were saying that my my madness was <laughs> was was popping off left and right because I think about it uh, that all of and I say all of the people that made the biggest differences in in society through time did and they called those people mad. They called yep. the Wright brothers mad. They called you know Edison mad. All those people and you know the whole mad scientist uh, concept and everything. It is that same thing and it can and it is on a razor's edge that you could go one way or another. 
and this is beautiful what you're, what you're doing here and and i love the the concept of uh of originality and creativity in there i'm an artist myself and i'm you know musician know. And, that, and those types of things and and that is that is where i go that's my safe madness if you will uh when i do get that stress going on and everything i condition myself now to 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 you know, opt or to automatically, I call it neuroencoding, switch to that energy or turn that energy in the way that's more optimistic versus pessimistic and all those things. But this is fantastic. Share with me a little bit more, share with us a little bit more about the four words that you talked about, uh, hope. And uh, you had, uh, you know, at the ends of your therapy that, that you do you use that in your madness therapy as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have a, a a, a an incubator a 90-day incubator called the mad genius incubator where i take people through a seven-step process of engaging your creative mind your originality but practically because we it's it's conceptual that you develop mental clarity you develop something i created called dual awareness you move through the process of building more creative mind but practically for a specific big idea so you bring in a meaningful idea that you want to act upon you want to start a youtube channel you want to write a book you want to start a nonprofit. you want to build a small business um, you want to do a ted talk any of those things and we we focus on building out your creative and original mind to do that and these four words hope creativity originality and energy are extremely important think about hope i mean this whole concept of of mental health being you know more which i'm so happy for there's so much more awareness and talk yeah. and discussion around mental health one of the things that's not being talked about as much is the the the, the need for hope in mental health treatment mm -hmm. and in just talking about mental health hope gives you the permission, the permission to, to be better, to change, to see something beyond where you are now, to move out of a period and an energy of stagnation. And I can't tell you the number of people that I saw in, in the mental health world that would come in, they would become dependent on a medication, or they would become dependent on a therapist. Mm -hmm. And you know they they would see their life as limited mm -hmm. and oh yeah you know i wish i could do that but i can't because i have this problem or i would love to be a different type of person but i can't because i have this problem mm -hmm. hope is that energy this powerful energy that can move you through those barriers and so i i feel that hope is incredibly important i do as well i call it the carrot on the stick you know, as you put it out there, it gives them something to a compelling future and something to keep on stepping forward to. But go on, creativity. Yeah, so creativity is, is you know, we have an imagination network in our mind, just like we have, and you, you know, I'm sure you know this, that, that there's so many networks that we have, neural networks. My specialty was the reward network mm -hmm. between the ventral tegmentum, nucleus accumbens, prefrontal cortex. Okay. We have- My language, baby. Yeah, let's let's geek out. Let's geek out. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to bore the the audience here. But another day, you and I can just geek out on neural language. Uh, but but the reward circuitry is is set up for natural rewards. So we feel good about certain activities that propagate the evolution of our species, right? But new, as we know, drugs of abuse can hijack that area. But what a lot of people don't know is new ideas 
novelty. Novelty, not necessarily bad novelty, good novelty, new experiences, new ideas, engaging in new activities, thinking of new ideas for your company, for as an entrepreneur, for as an artist, all of these activities also light up this area of the brain, the reward circuitry. And, you know, we have this entire area called the imagination network. And we have the, um, again, just a little, a little uh, geeked out here. We have the executive network, the salience network, the default network. These are all three different areas. One is to generate new ideas. One is to prioritize new ideas. And the third is to execute or operate on these new ideas. So you see so many people that are creative, that are like, they, they come up with idea after idea after idea. This would be an amazing book. Oh my God, this would be an amazing movie. This would be a great reality show. But do they ever act on any of those ideas? No, because they can't prioritize those ideas. You need a different part of your brain to prioritize, and then you need a different part to execute. I, there's so many CEOs I know that will execute anything, but they can't generate ideas. They can't come up with any new ideas. So I help people if from a creativity perspective to activate all aspects of that, that, that triad of, of creativity um, in their mind. Because to envision a new life, to envision something new, to envision a new skill you want to develop, requires a creative mind before you can operate on it. Um, the, the third is energy. And, and I always say it takes, it takes a certain amount of energy to live mm -hmm. for any of us to live, but it takes a lot more energy to live the life you want. Sure. And if you're just living with the amount of energy it requires to live and only that much energy, you will never fulfill the desired life the ideal life. You need to generate more energy in your life. Part of that is, as I talk about in the theory of madness, to shift your energy consumption and where your energy is going. And part of it is to generate more energy. And I know you've talked a lot about that. Um, and, and I think it's a, a really important thing to be able to have enough energy to do what you want to do in your life. Well, I would add this caveat. This is brilliant. Um, please please you know, keep your thought there. Um, you know, a, a dear friend and um, colleague, if you will, is uh, Dr. Dr. Tennant. Uh, you familiar with him? He is I, yeah, a brilliant guy. I, I took a certification course a little while ago. And one of the things that he said, which I taught it in a different way, but when I heard it this way, it made so much sense that our muscles are piezoelectric cells and they, they store energy, they, they store electricity and they generate electricity. And so what you said is so true. The, and, and one of the things with regard to the common life, if you will, the common life is consumed by social media, by television, by all of those things. And that's sucking that energy out of us as well. And it's sucking us out of us while we're not even moving our face. The only thing that we're moving is our eyes, you know, <laughs> dilating in and out, but the rest of it, you know, breathing and that kind of thing. So um, yeah. generating that electricity that we have the ability, it's not just the food that we consume and all those things, but generating that electricity by movement, by talking, by those things. And I will also say, and I want you to go on. I was one of those people that was so creative, but I didn't, I had not matured that uh, uh, execution side of me in the area of creativeness, because I had similar parents. So that mine didn't push me to be a physician. Uh, mine pushed me to just get an education. And, and I, was, I was bubbling with creativity in terms of being a musician. 
And um, so I would get all these ideas and I realized that I couldn't let go of them. I could, I'd have one and I'd like you said, I couldn't prioritize and go, okay, well, this is a good one, but there's always a better one. There's always a better one until I learned that skill, which is what you teach, uh, the skill of being able to get out to, to allow that to sit for a moment so that you can get out of that, prioritize and then move into the, the effectiveness side of it and doing something. Yeah, absolutely. And you have to build a relationship with your idea. Yeah. Like I always talk about it. Look, you, you, you go on a first date, you hopefully don't sleep with your idea right away. You, <laughs> you, you then date your idea and you build a relationship with your idea. I mean, look, you, you may have a ton of ideas and one might be better at this moment in time. Maybe one's better a year from now. Maybe you should write that book now. Maybe you should do something else a, a year from now. You don't know. So you have to get to know your idea and sit with it and spend time with it. And maybe that idea is right for somebody else and it's not right for you. It, it just, you got to spend time with that idea. And maybe, and here's what's been my experience through life now, through time is this experience or this idea that I have right now might be one of the building blocks for another idea later. Maybe it is a piece, you know, take the best and leave the rest kind of thing. Yeah, it might be a starter for something else, totally, or a catalyst, uh, you know, for something else. Uh, absolutely. You know, the, the, the fourth one was originality. And I know from seeing your work that, you know, authenticity and look, the name, the title of your podcast here, it, you know, the common, what's the cure for the common life? So to me, authenticity, originality, whatever word you want to use is is just vital to our happiness. It's vital to our purpose. It's vital to a meaningful life. And so many people are swimming in conformity and are living in this conformity life. And you just said it so well just now about television and social media comparison. Uh, it's so easy to lead a conformity life. It's so easy. We don't even it, know it. It's hypnotism, literally. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're mesmerized into a conformity life. It's corporate influence. It's being told what to do. It's being told how to live your life. It's being told to play it safe. It's being told to stay in your lane. It's it's like, it's everywhere. You have to go out of your way to put your energy into building an authentic original you life. You've got to interrupt that pattern, make it, make it happen. I, uh, a while ago, and I can't give you the name of, of the company that hired me to do that. Just that, you know, I, as I work oftentimes, I'm sure you do as well, do uh, um, non-competes and things like that. Yep. And, um, and so, uh, but anyway, I was hired by a network. It was a, a network that was syndicate. They did syndicated work before, but then they're starting to do, uh, and this was probably 10 years ago now, Reeve, and now they started to do creating their own uh, programming. So um, they hired me to take a look at other uh, companies and other uh, programming institutions that did, uh, that were, were successful, because I'm a big modeler and I was trying to get people, help people, you know, just. So uh, one of the things that I studied was, and this is part of my thesis in college as well, was I studied the triggers that are used, especially in advertisement and in uh, television programming that cause people to keep their butts right there in that seat. Uh -huh. And I came up with what I call markers, six different markers. And I'm not gonna go into all of them, but one of them that everybody understands is the cliffhanger. You know, we all understand it. We know what's going on, but we cannot resist it. And that keeps you right in front of it. There's 12 other ones that are, in my opinion, just this side of nefarious, just this side of, of, uh, 
uh, doing something that they know that it's harming people. They know that it's keeping people there, but they keep on doing it. And that uh, common life, that mediocrity, what did you call it? Race towards uh, uh, conformity. Conformity, yeah. We don't even know it. People don't even know that it, it, it's like that's who we are, kind of uh, kind of thing. Well, this is absolutely fascinating, and I want to ask you a couple more questions. But one of them is, will you please come back and let's continue this? We got to get up out of here, but I would, I would. Yeah, we we are we are living the same energy, the <laughs> same spirit, the same soul on this uh, on this planet. So I, absolutely, anytime you want to do something, I'm down. Well, fantastic. And we're not too far away. We can actually meet in person. Uh, so a couple of things in. Um, I know you're working on some projects. You have some projects as well. How would people get a hold of you, find out more about you? And anything that you say, obviously, will be in the description here. So if you're listening to this in your car, uh, you can go back on and you'll see it in the description here. But how do people find you? What do you've got going on right now? Yeah, so I'll give you a couple things. One is just a free resource. I believe that mental clarity is so important right now with everything we've been talking about the way to snap out of this conformity life this common life the 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 i feel like we're at a war for the ownership of our own mind because there's so much coming at us um that that you have to take charge of your mind and the first way to do that is through mental clarity and so i have a resource it's called it's it's at the link get mentalclarity.com get mentalclarity.com and you can opt in and um you'll get this free resource this free download so that's the first thing just for your audience um the second thing is i have an incubator program a 90-day incubator program it's super cool we've had you know people go through it that just glowing like they're, they're just they're lit up it's great because it's very different. I'm taking the performing arts training that I had. I, I spent years in improv, sketch comedy. I want, by the way, I, I, I wanted to talk so much about that. So when you come back, we're going we're gonna to go down that path, but go on. So Absolutely. Yeah. Stand up, dance. Um, you know, I had a little stint in music for a bit. Like it's just a, a lot of the training that I did, I felt like was for entertainment purposes. Mm -hmm. But as a scientist, I was looking at it and going, oh my God, this would be so amazing for entrepreneurs. This would be so amazing for leaders, like learning these skills because we have to develop messaging as leaders. And that messaging has to be written up and, and, and delivered in a way that is highly effective in, in, in its transmission. And, and when we're disseminating information to people to get, whether it's in, whether it's a, an audience or you're doing a talk as, as you know, this, uh, whether you're pitching to investors, whatever you're doing, being able to have high level performance and presentation training is incredibly important. So I take the performance training that I had, mm -hmm. connect it with neuroscience and psychology, and then connect that with philosophy and spirituality. You know, being Indian, I have a little bit of instant spiritual street cred. So <laughs> I won't. So, so I'll take that and uh, add the performance side and the neuroscience psychology side. And, and it's just been an amazing thing. And 90 days was the right amount of time. It's part uh, online course. It's part three-day immersion weekend where we get into it hardcore on the performance side. And then we do weekly Q&As after that, focusing on one specific idea. What where, do that they that? where do they find that resource? So they can go to madgeniusincubator.com. 
madgeniusincubator.com. Fantastic. And all of this, of course, will be in the description here. Doctor, thank you so much. And I really look forward because I want to get into the entertainment side of it and go down that rabbit hole with you as well. Um, and so it, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure meeting you and uh, we'll be doing more together. And so everybody remember, look this man up. I told you at the top, this is the true Renaissance man and he's got so much to share and a valuable, valuable asset, especially at this time in our history. What I believe is that, you know, coming out of this pandemic and a lot of people, you know, this is what I'm getting a lot lately, uh, lately is that, that uh, people feel like they wasted time. They feel like a year has gone by now and they wasted time. And you know, I always say that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the best, the next best time is right now. So it's never too late to start. So get started on something. So thank you so much. Thank you for the gift of your wisdom. And I look forward to more of it. And remember, everybody, that life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. This is the cure for the common life. And I look forward to seeing you again at the top. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.